0: This is Pete Moore wanted to officially announce the release of time to win again. 52 takeaways from team sports to ensure your business success. I wrote this book over the last year. I think you're going to love it. Good to great meets where's Waldo. Pick them up for your team. Time to win in 2022. Happy to come to your club, your studio, your company and talk about ways we can optimize business and win going forward. Go Halo. This is Pete Moore on Halo Talks NYC. I have the pleasure of welcoming back as part of our Home and Away podcast series over the small pond, Ross Lauder, Global Tech Leaders Podcast, as well as the man behind Single Focus Talent. Ross, it's good to see you again. Hey, Pete. Great to chat with you again. Awesome. So I monopolized your podcast with talking, so I'm going to let you do most of the talking, but I'm going to lead you in directions I feel comfortable with. Sounds like a plan. Ergo, air Ergo. Air Why don't you give your quick uh, bio and uh, and then we'll riff from there, buddy.
1: Sure. I'm a, I'm a computer science guy. Um, did that as an undergrad. I did a postgrad in business and marketing. Worked in the tech industry in Ireland's uh, evolving tech scene, which is pretty big reputation over the past 20 years. We've got the... Uh, Headquarters for Europe, for Google, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, HubSpot, Salesforce, Microsoft, you name them, they're all here. Started out in hardware, worked my way through software, um, Went had the good pleasure of going through an IPO with HubSpot and started and sold an agency. And now I place rock stars in that industry. I guess the advantage I have is that I've worked the roles, led the teams for the positions I actually uh, place in and kind of know where they're coming from, from a candidate point of view. And what we're doing with the podcast is really to allow folks to get their message out there, to tell their unique story, to have candidates pre-prepped going into an interview, meaning that they understand what it is the value prop is all about, the USP, the ethics and the values behind the org, which gives folks a leverage up and kind of gets to that fit quicker, we find, by having that as an asset that the you know, that the org can use to, to sell themselves, so to speak. So that's what we do.
0: That's great. So what, what was the impetus behind you deciding after a successful HubSpot and, and several other ventures that you were going to start helping other people, you know, similar to people asking us, hey, why don't you guys just become investors and do your own deals, you know, instead of trying to find investors? And I'm like, well, I want to try and help as many people as possible. Um, and I feel comfortable in this type of role. So kind of what, Brought you from like operator to now, you know, executive search and you know, really assessing talent versus jumping into another role.
1: I needed something to do, Pete. I, you know, there's only so much golf you can play, and uh, there's only so many times you can go for a run around the block. No, I mean, in in reality, I I felt it was a good shift of an industry that had a lot of value to be added to it. I think there's too many, there are too many generalists out there. They're not adding enough value. They're not actually getting the role in the space. You've got to go inches wide and miles deep in my book. And that's really where you understand the profile of the industry and the specifics within that. And we, we tell no tell folks no all the time because we're not able to help them. But where we are able to help is revenue generation, marketing awareness, um, and specifically around language skills. The exec piece really is a matter of understanding the profile of orgs folks have come from, where what they've done, the impact they've had, and then how they can transpose that onto other organizations. So I just didn't feel anyone was getting that. I mean, there are a lot of recruiters out there but they're and some of them are public some of them are big but they're too broad and yeah. it was never going to make an impact there so I really wanted to use my own network to add value to a bigger to bigger pie and quite frankly out there there's an absolute war on talent um, and yeah. there's a I did a survey recently there's a 41% overhang on available roles being advertised relative to a, a, a massive, massive um, lack of talent out there. So um, it's really about getting your message and being front of house, uh, front of mind for folks. And I think you need to really reinvent yourself as well when you look at talent profiles. And that's part of the consultancy piece. You've really got to lead and steer that direction and conversation with a client because, you know what, they may not know it all. And if they're open to change and, and new points of view, I think that's an important conversation to be had.
0: So, so in our industry in the you know the the halo sector at large or you know operators that are running multi-unit clubs there's always been this disconnect between hey i want to get the best person um but i actually don't want to pay somebody to go and find that person for me uh i think some of those barriers to understanding you know one you get what you pay for two you know uh, a rock star a team and a b product is a successful company and uh a product and a, in a, and a B or C team probably, you know, lead you to failure. Um, mm-hmm. So how do you get the message across, you know, without maybe some middle market operators that aren't owned by private equity funds. I think private equity and VC in general kind of know that, Hey, look, if, if I'm going to pay a third of this person's salary, like that's, I got a, I probably got a five times return on that investment anyway, because I got a much better employee or, or professional or executive. So how do you think through like what the price people want to pay and understanding that you got to pay up for someone like you and your team to actually source the best talent?
1: Yeah. It's not actually a conversation. We actually have to have all that often because we lead with, we, we, we lead with profiles. So we go in and we say, is this what you're looking for? I I rarely have a conversation around value and return on investment and, and, you know, what does that sure. um, multiplier look like? So I'm fortunate in that regard. I do have folks come to me at the end of their tether having good, done a search and said, look, I want I've never paid more than 15 points. And, you know, I, I try not to be facetious and, you know, say, well, Hey, how's that working out for you? Why are we speaking? Um, <laughs> and that tends to work because, um, if we can find that person for you, is it not worth is it not worth that value um, component? So, I've I've been fortunate with that. We tend to lead with the fit first and foremost. Quite frankly, mm-hmm. Pete, people don't read job descriptions. People sometimes don't even know what they want. So, when you can get to the bottom of that, you can match like for like. You're in a strong position. People just don't take the time and effort to do that in that in this goldfish memory attention span world we live in today.
0: Yeah. So when you and I were, I'm assuming we're relatively the same age, you know, it, there used to be kind of like this, this hard and fast rule that, look, you got a new job. Like you got to stay there for at least two to three years. Yeah, I think my dad had like two jobs in like, you know, 40 year career. And I probably oh, had yeah. like 10. Um, so what are some of the things that, that you look at that says, Hey, you know, this candidate looks like a great candidate, but you know, he or she's been in like six jobs in 10 years. Like, how do you calibrate the speed of job change, the changes in technology and also just like understanding like, Hey, what's in this person's DNA. Are they looking for another job? Like the day they get this new job.
1: Yeah. So, um, just let me flip this for a second sure. and talk to you about folks who are in jobs for 20 years, because I've had folks come to me who I know relatively well, who like I've 20 years of account management experience and I'm like, you're unemployable. You know, you may as well have worked for, um, you know, the civil service, which you do respect because... You're not going to be adaptable. You don't have a broader perspective. You're very systems orientated. You're too operations focused. You don't have a breadth of experience across the industry. And then the other side of that equation is a is that you know a job hopper, right? So if somebody's in a job for a couple of months, or you know even you know a year to 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 so on. Two years is really the cutoff. If you can hack it two years, you're in a good spot. And um, you do want to see a little bit more t- tenure than that um throughout the course of a 10 year stint you probably want to see four positions in that mm-hmm. um, other than that there, there are reasons people are understanding and you're allowed one or two boobies here and there we've all had them god knows i have sure um, so yeah i i think you know in terms of has it been deliberate or has it been um you know has it been calculated or was it a faux pas was it a fumble right and um, that they're really looking the for the story
0: time. you're looking for the story yeah, behind yeah. it and whether you believe the story i guess correct yeah.
1: Are they credible? Are they do they have integrity? Yeah. Um, have they been? Have they shown me good? Have they shown good results? And will full folks back them? Um, and bear in mind, you only ever get best references from people too.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like every time someone calls me for a reference, I give them like the straight scoop because I don't want anyone coming back to me and saying like, "Hey, you know, you told me this." guy or this woman was you know a rock star but you've got to tell me you know they got delegation issues they got personality issues and they're actually (laughs) not that fun to hang out with so i try and give people like the real scoop and say fun
1: to hang out with yeah yeah,
0: i I, I just give them like hey this is what i think is great about them and like here's some things that you got to like be on the lookout for and i feel like that kind of serves people well but have you seen well what's the theme going on right now on like how much do you either discount or Put a premium on the on the references, and are there go-to people that you make sure you get to in an organization to reference check somebody? You know if you're allowed to, and they're not like in their current job. So, what's really
1: interesting today is the reference check. In my mind, is largely a tick-the-box exercise. So, okay. I've worked for plenty of mostly American companies all my career. And they will not put ever a reference in writing because they're too afraid of being sued. It's always a conversation. <laughs> and that seems to be a global phenomenon today. Um, so that the reference check is a, is a tick-the-box exercise. Background checking, however, has become the norm. And there are specialist organizations out there who effectively have an online digital footprint of you. And they will... Um, now, I've never had it happen to a candidate of mine, thankfully, touch wood, and all that sort of stuff but they have ways and means of scouring social media. Um, you know, and there are obviously criminal record checks and things of that nature that uh, would be um, catching folks out in a lie. So that is actually more weight today than a reference check seems to be a
0: tick the box exercise. Gotcha. So, you know, as you're going through and helping larger organizations source talent, um, and you and I were talking about the book we just wrote and we talked one of the chapters in the book time to win again is about, you know, recruiting from within and like, you know, a soccer team, like a Manchester United, they got kids that are like eight years old from around the world that are part of like Manchester United's, you know, youth development league. So how do you, are there certain instances where you come in and say, Hey, look, I'll go find you a CFO. I'll go find you a chief marketing officer or, or what some other C-level position be like, you know what? Look, I've heard really good things about your company and your culture here. Why don't you let me also like dig into some of your current employees and see if like there's some talent here that hasn't been been fully identified yet, or does that, is that not happening yet?
1: When you say fully identified, you mean by way of coaching and, and. No, I'm uh, saying like internal.
0: like you got a, you got a chief marketing officer and you say, okay, look, I'm going to go out. I'm going to find the best chief marketing officer. that's going to fit outside of your company, but let me actually go and spend, you know, a day with your marketing team. And let me just figure out who's really, oh, you know, sure. yeah. So so how does that work? Because I feel like that, I feel like people aren't necessarily looking inside of their own bench sometimes, and they're automatically going external and thinking they're going to bring someone in, but there might be somebody who's been cropped, propped up over time, and they should probably be given a chance as well. How do you think about that?
1: Yeah I've never had that as a strategy quite frankly but I okay. would want to speak to everybody in the organization to as part of the process so what I mean by that is like I want to know that when I brief a candidate that I know that role in that org very very well so I will speak to folks along the way I will want to speak to people who are sales is a classic example of that you've got a process any good well led sales organization will have a process from beginning to end whether it's trial download to discovery call to demo to sc getting on a call to closing it out, to listening to gone calls. The folks who are yeah. well-managed have that structured and have the data behind it, and they're not running off of good feel, gut feel. So I'll want to go in and dig dig into all of that. And as part of that, I'll maintain relationships with people. I don't really double dip, quite frankly, in recruitment. I know that's a thing where you would say, hey, and pull somebody out of one company that is your client. Right, it's right. not ethical, quite frankly. I know that I could make more money that way, but it's not, it's going to come back and bite you. And I'm a big believer in karma and what goes around come to rain. But never had that happen from an internal perspective. I damn well do myself out of a fee, quite frankly, but I would do right by somebody if I felt that I could do the right thing right now for a bigger payback and play that long game, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that's uh, a guy used to work for you. So, so just be long-term greedy because all the short-term, like you build up a reputation over time that it'll work out for you. Um, That's a good expression. I, I agree. Yeah. So, you know, as you think about all the different technologies that are out there and you kind of touched a little bit upon it with the, you know, credit check, background checks, social media scrape, how important, and I kind of know the answer to this, but how much time do you spend with the candidates? How important is like your personal experiences, your gut, you know, kind of, I got people that say, oh, I just trust the data. And it's like, well, you should actually trust like how your energy is and how you feel about a person, because that's the, the people side of it is not hundred percent quantifiable. So how do you think about that? Yeah, I love that question. So um, I'm a
1: huge believer in technology. I've spent a lot of time and effort coding my own processes into code, as it were, and developing a, a runway. Um, Our outreach, our marketing, our engagement is all a part of that journey and I measure everything in the funnel. But I think as well, to your question around the people piece, um, scorecards are important. You score people, you rate them, um, but it's an opinion. You know, it's like mm-hmm. when you sit your driving test, it's somebody's opinion of your driving and they're not always going to catch absolutely everything. You know, there's training, you know, all that kind of stuff. I do too. I do think things like Gong can help you to. Yeah. I've, I've seen that you know, one of our good. clients
0: uses it. It's amazing. Yeah.
1: yeah it's a, it's a, it's a groundbreaking piece of technology for anybody Great. who's listening to this. It, it's something I recommend. However, one of the strongest indicators for me of um, candidate success has always been responsiveness. Um, and it, it's an indicator for me that if you need somebody's help, because it's a bit like selling an enterprise deal. If you're look, if you're familiar with Medic or Sandler or you know, you know, advanced band and things of that nature, you need a coach in there who's going to go up to the procurement officer's desk and put the get the PO issued. That kind of person. If a candidate is respond is responsive and will go the extra mile and do the deck over the weekend and prioritise it and come back with ideas and ask for your feedback, that's the candidate. That you're going to want to work for that rarely goes awry um, and that's a great person you know personal trait that I found goes very very far by way of predicting an outcome along with the uh, data don't get me wrong yeah. but it is a big predictor
0: so a quick a quick story of love so when I first started working in 1994 at mm-hmm. uh, at Chase Manhattan Bank my assistant or my my banking assistant was a woman and she had a sign up on her desk and it says your lack of planning, does not constitute my emergency. And I was like, <laughs> one, how are you allowed to hang that sign Two, like, how did you get this job? Like we're in an unpredictable deal business and you actually have the audacity to have that sign up. Um, how would you address something like that? I mean, is that a closed door, uh, conversation or is that like, Hey, we might want to reload you to another less well, is stressful environment she is she serious about oh, it? she was serious she was serious wow okay. anyway she probably won't get hired these days but back back then i guess that was okay <laughs> no
1: no everything's about saying yes but saying yes in context and setting expectations and being a you know a, a person that somebody wants to work with and can yeah. do do business with and engage with um in a meaningful way um, I think politics is softened today because people have phrases that get them out of jail that allow them to say horrendous things to each other in a very eloquent fashion. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. So so as you see, you know, one, we're, we're obviously in an inflationary environment, whether anybody yes. wants to believe that or not. The second thing is you've got a lot of private equity and venture capital coming into the space. Um, we've been spending, I wouldn't say like paid time, but we've been spending a lot of time coaching some executives into here's what your should, employment agreement should look like here's what your comp is here's what your you know standard um, potential compensation is on a bonus here's the stock options that you should get based on the life cycle of this company so talk a little bit you know whether within those variables or you know when you're trying to convince somebody to, to take a position that you think is a great fit for them how involved do you get in the economics of that? And, and and how do you still kind of play like this Switzerland, if you will, of like, hey, I'm representing my client, but also obviously I want you to be happy and take this job and know that, you know, I was a trusted advisor to you at the same time.
1: Yeah, I like to be Switzerland because it gives me credibility and it means that I'm um, impartial in the whole equation. Having said that, I don't like to be incentivized on comp. It's not my gig. So if I'm doing a big project and we're hiring a load of account executives or, you know, even if it's the leadership down and or it's mid-level management director level, I'll do it on a fixed basis because there's obviously more um, value for the client from that perspective. Mm. However, I will sit down with them. and I will go through the tech in detail and I will want to make sure that it is groundbreaking. It is innovative, et cetera, but you've got to be at the races from a comp perspective. So if you look at the Northeast, New York is a great example of this. People ghost you all day long because the opportunity isn't hot enough for you. You want to avoid that happening like the plague. You want to get Mm. people's attention. You want to get it now. You want to engage them. You want to pitch the tech. You want to understand why this is a fit for them in their career. And you want them... To want you more than they want than you want them, and that's the real trick. Boston, to a lesser extent, the Carolinas and Florida, to a lesser extent, there's a talent pool there that can be had, and Mm -hmm. the economics are just different in those markets. California, San Francisco, you know, similar situation to the Northeast, in fact, more pronounced. So, you, I get into the weeds on the tech, and I am a computer scientist by training. I feel that adds. To the mix because you can eloquently describe the actual nature of the opportunity and why it's important that they engage with this. And if they're not going to, you just be clear about it. And, that, and that's one of the things I love about working in the US is it's upfront, you know what you're getting.
0: Yeah. So let me ask you a question. And, and some of these, you know, whether it's laws or policies or uh, norms proliferate, give us like a, Uh, two minutes on what I'm allowed to ask in an interview, what I'm not allowed to ask in an interview. Oh, I love this. I had a (laughs) a couple of
1: interesting one recently. It says diversity is the hot topic right now. Okay. So I don't think anybody would disagree that having a diverse workforce is important. Yeah. Okay. That people get more done when you have more diverse ideas come to the fore. all that kind of stuff. It's how you go about it is something quite, quite different. So um, there's a couple of things you need to have a, I know that, I know people who work in this and, at big scale and the likes of Facebook and stuff where you've got to have a policy that you actually hire from a diverse pool, but you've also got to ensure you can get the traction in a diverse pool as well. What you can't do questions you cannot ask. And I had this recently, I had a, a client put a contract in, co- in front of me and asked me that I provided a 50% diverse pool, including, um, ethnicity, um, religious orientation and sexual orientation. And I said, well, hang on a second here. How do I uh, do that? First of all, people identify today as different things, not on the face of a, it would be right. a tell, right? And second of all, I can't ask questions of that nature in right. any sort of context whatsoever. It's illegal. And third of all, you can't contract me into illegal activity. <laughs> oh, wow. If so you're
0: going to contract, contract me to that, into that. let's get let's get some more lucrative illegal activities while we're at I it. Mean, yeah, if mean, we're going it, to go illegal, just, let's do it big. <laughs>
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it's a nuts thing, but it happens. Yeah, no, I hear you, you know, they, they, I get what the intention was, but it's not going to be achieved by doing it in that fashion. So uh, mm-hmm. you can't ask somebody if they're pregnant or planning to have children uh, and yeah. you can't ask them about why they is certain instances of leaving prior employment, etc. Um, it's, it's a murky kind of world. But there are other ways of going about those conversations um, yeah. and you can look for tell signs as well. But it's funny because you you get roped into that world today, which is important sure. that diversity is there, but it's how you go about it is key
0: because you'll get in trouble. Yeah, we we, we invest in this company called The Athlete Book and they're trying to get division one, two II, and three athletes. And what they're doing is they're targeting specific schools and specific programs that have a specific demographic. And then they're, they're basically trying to front run Job opportunities without having sense. to put out an ad saying, like, hey, we're trying to hire into our diversity, you know, percentages. Like that, that's not even though everyone wants you to do that, you're not allowed to put out an advertisement for that because then it's reverse discrimination. So I'm <laughs> I'm slightly confused. Um, but I think you know, if everyone makes an effort, I think it's also, you know, not only should you be sourcing out diversity roles. Um, knowing that, but there's also, I think the candidates, no, I don't want to stereotype this, but I feel like the candidates also need to, you know, bring themselves to the front, uh, you know, to expose themselves to you and other recruiters just to know like, Hey, I'm looking to get into these opportunities. I I see it happening at a number of companies. There's definitely been some high level, um, recent hires across connected fitness and across the the health club and VC Mm -hmm. industry that. I think has been very useful and, you know, heading in the right direction. You know, we're, we're definitely not there yet, um, but but I've seen some some key leaves of good things happening. Um, so, you know, as you see this diverse and, you know, under supply right now, at least in the U.S. of, of labor in general, um, do you see salaries going up? Do you see? I guess, what do people want the most of? Like, everyone says, like, oh, I want to make the most money. But then other people like, hey, I like I like my freedom. I like to be able to work out at home and work from home X number of days. I don't like people, like, crawling on my back as long as I'm doing my job. Like, I don't have to go into the office. What are some, like, if you could give us – without putting you on the spot here, but, hell, it's my podcast. Let's put you on the spot, bro. <laughs> What's, like, the top three things that people want or five things? And you say, like, all right, look, I will – I'll get that to you, even though this company doesn't provide it. Like, I'll I'll make this work for you because it's important to you. What you're seeing is um, you've got
1: to be at the races from a salary perspective. And I think anyone who's funded by a VC will know what's competitive because they will have divested others from their portfolio from which they'll gain talent. So I think that's kind of a given got to be at the races. The number one thing I see today is the ability to work from home or remotely should and when you wish to do so. So that's number one. The challenge you're going to have with that scenario is the tax law and implication around how long you decide to spend in a particular location. If it's in country, it's one thing. If it's out, state and in-state there are implications that if it's out of country for more than 30 to 90 days and um, you'll run into problems there depending on the um the jurisdiction and such but that is a challenge and um, to be able to because you see people who want to work in um you know with a san francisco a bay area salary and live in you know let's say i don't know boise idaho who's to say but like that's the, the, the those economics don't sure. don't tie in together and and rarely rarely equate to to, yeah. being, to being feasible
0: yeah i mean the new york banks recently have come out and said like if you want a new york salary you're gonna live in work in new york yeah. if not like i don't i don't need to like over subsidize your your lower cost of living um, so i think and they got a point i think you got a point about
1: that no Yeah. And and then that's, that's one of the major things. I mean, you can be in a city or be within 50 miles of a city and that's okay because you can go in when you need to go in and do QBRs and things of that nature. Like, you know, my wife and I would do quite regularly. So that that's important. And um, the next thing is pensions. You're not seeing that as readily in some of those early stage startups. And that is being asked for and um, depends on the leadership in question, but healthcare and all of those ones are all par for the course of that, that at this point. And equity is equity is important. And you're getting more and more questions around pre IPO equity valuations and what that looks like. And you're seeing the emergence of secondary markets spoke with the CEO and founder of dream exchange yesterday. And you know, these things are coming to the, to the fore as well um, as important factors and how much you're leaving on the table before you, as you fully vest and such such like so.
0: So let me ask you like a, a technical hiring question. I don't know if it's technical, but let's say you and I are both going after the same uh, CTO job, and um, I say, hey, look, I'm going to be in the office once a week, and I'm, I'm living remote. Uh, and Ross, you say like, hey, man, I'm I'm full time. I'm going to be in the office. I live two blocks away. I'm in a high rise building. I'll be here twenty four seven. Is there any reason? Why a company can't make that hiring decision based on your living close by and also your desire to come back into the office, you know, COVID, you know, related. Yeah. So for
1: me personally, I would I would want to know a bit more. I would probably hire the guy who can be there more often because yeah. it says to me he's more available. the, the, the way you've described that whether it's physical or not, says to me he wants to be there more often than the other person. The other question I'd ask is what tools do you have available for collaboration to make it happen? So I right. have my COO, lives overseas. We collaborate on every tool you have, and it's not an issue for us. So right. I, I think it's a, it's a combination of those two factors. There's location, and then there's availability, and mm-hmm. then there's time zone to contend with as well, and that's usually not an issue if you're within the same continent at least.
0: How paranoid should a company be that I have read articles recently, like people have like two full-time jobs and like they have two like LinkedIn accounts maybe or something. And, you know, they're like, they're working two jobs, but neither company knows that they're not full-time.
1: Well, you should be pretty paranoid because it's very possible to do that. Yeah, um, I know, and, and nobody's checking. And you know, there's there's that case a couple of years ago, the guy who and outs- ATT employee and, and outsourced his entire job to China, and they picked <laughs> it up because the guy forgot to use the VPN a few times, and oh, that yeah, he was a developer or something. Um, that's a while ago now, but yeah, you should be because that's for, that's very but you also have to you have to figure out the integrity of the person you're dealing with, you have to figure yeah. out how often you're coming back to them, and also what is the output? and as a company you've got to ask yourself the question am i getting the expected or an over uh, an overshot on the output that i expect from this employee and if you are does it matter to you
0: yeah how important and we talked about this a little on your, on your podcast you know the the fact that you played a lot of team sports and r- rugby was your gig right
1: it was i'm not sure yeah. how good i was but i i played <laughs> uh,
0: i mean how you know we we've been really laser focused on you know trying to bring athletes into Mm-hmm. the the halo or the, the health and fitness industry have you seen any kind of themes like that you know there's obviously been a push in the u.s to hire veterans and hire people coming out of the military make sure they get you know reassimilated um so there's been a push on that front there's been some push on getting college athletes jobs and and you know alumni being a part of that solution what, what are some of the things maybe in in closing here and i got a couple one other quick question at the end but yep. You know, what are some of the things where you're like, oh man, like this, this is like my ideal candidate? Obviously, every deal, everything's different, but you know, if I came to you and I was uh I don't know as an example, let's say I was the goalie on my soccer team, the goalie on my hockey team, and uh, you know, the, the co-captain of my basketball team, like, do are those like do those things kind of like make it into the final uh assessment?
1: Yeah, 100%. I've seen greater success with people who have that. As part of their DNA than people who don't, so you'll see it like people who are coxing in rowing, people yeah who are you know some sort of level of leadership at a local organizational level because you can be damn sure they're going to do it in a team environment and corporate setup. There there tells other things I look for that I see is really really good, particularly with students I'm looking or folks who want to relocate is have you done an overseas semester in another university? Have you learned another language? What signs have I seen on your resume that you've gone outside of your comfort zone and done Mm -hmm. something different? Um, and how's that going to be perceived in an interview process? Uh, you know, sports people make absolutely phenomenal candidates. And you start to see that professional rugby players. My, my brother-in-law is one of them. As they retire, need to get into the corporate world and the competitive streak, particularly in sales, is a surefire fit. They need to yeah. wrap their head around the tech, but they can do that because they they look at plays all day long and they study the dynamics and the physics of all of that sort of stuff. So for me, those are tell signs, a bit like what I said about availability of candidates and responsiveness
0: yeah. to your email on your deck yeah I think that's a great point maybe you know one of the takeaways here for people is um if, if someone was playing a sport and they were a goal scorer or they're the playmaker or you're like the center halfback on a on a football pitch soccer pitch mm-hmm. you know you're basically directing traffic like you you're the maybe. point guard and I, I yeah. think that's that that's a trait that I like to see um, and also from a from a from a hiring standpoint, if you like to play sports, it's nice to be able to hire people that actually are athletic because then you have more people to play with. Totally. So agree. it's a little bit self-serving.
1: <laughs> yeah, so, you know, I played on the touch team in rugby in, in a couple of places I worked. So yeah. And and then that spreads into the office if you need to get things done. Oh, great game last night, or whatever. By exactly. the way, could I ask you this favor and stuff? That that's part of building a culture together. That you go out and that's why bonding days are such a big deal. But we had amateur sports teams. We played other companies and so on. It's an absolutely phenomenal activity.
0: Yeah, that's great. So you know, in closing here, give us a uh, a quote that you live by, or or you know something that uh, that that you think's important, or something that's only sticked on your computer.
1: Henry Ford's, if you believe you can or
0: you can't, you're right. <laughs> all right, so go ahead. Let's get the Model T out there. Let's stay singularly <laughs> focused. Listen to all some words of wisdom on global tech leaders. It's on every podcast channel you can think of. And I look forward to uh, meeting up with you in person uh, once you come to the States officially. Sounds good, Pete. Look forward to it. Thanks
1: for having me.